Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. This is episode number 41 of the Gate World Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about the Sci-Fi Channel's long-running franchise, Stargate. Today our main topic is what is Ascension? We go a little bit more philosophical, which we've done, I think, once before. Yes, with uh, our Replicators Alive. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we have a preview of another interview. This one is with actor Michael Shanks. We caught up with Michael at the convention last month. And we'll listen to that, and it'll be up on the site in the next few days. But first, before that, we've got some Stargate news to talk about. Stargate news. Here are your headlines from GateWorld for May 5th, 2009. Brad Wright and Robert C. Cooper had a great deal to say at this year's Stargate convention in Vancouver, hosted by Creation Entertainment. They talked about how they were going to be doing aliens, Earth-based stories, hinted at the Stargate itself, and also how the show is going to be photographed. Interesting changes for this uh, Stargate series. They really are trying to reinvent themselves, which really, in my opinion, is, is fantastic. I know a lot of people want the same thing. I am not one of them. Yep, neither am I. This news story is the rest of our write-up from their panel in front of fans at the convention. And there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. And the one that Rob talked the most about is how the show is being shot. You and I have had the great privilege of actually watching filming sometimes, so you, you kind of, I think, understand what he's talking about here when you, when you say the camera is set up, everything is put in place, and then the actors come in, and it's, it's sort of a two-wall setup versus what he's talking about doing for Universe is kind of a, a four-wall where they basically create the mm-hmm. space and light the space mm-hmm. so that the actors can come in and instead of instead of feeling like they're standing in front of a camera doing a scene they can embody the characters more and come in and be those characters and walk into the room and walk out of it stargate sg1 and stargate atlantis were both very theatrical in terms of how they were configured visually you have the actors they walk into the space they say their lines they can't look at in certain directions because the cameras are in those and it's very confined very boxed in Mm. and it limits the acting Stargate Universe is clearly going to be documentary-style shots. It's going to look like uh, a YouTube video. Like Rob said, that really is how we define what what um, what realism looks like because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we photograph things all the time with our handheld video cameras and things go out of focus and, right. and you know, they're not, not framed perfectly right. And that's really how a lot of us perceive reality. So it's going to take advantage of that and... The idea is to free them up so that the that the that what you're seeing is much more authentic. Yeah, less polished for sure. I'm excited to see the way this turns out. We've obviously seen it on some other shows like Battlestar uh, has taken this approach to filming, but it's it's a great way to make it feel more real, I think, than than you know theatrical, like you said. Also in the news this week, Coveroo is now offering Stargate cell phone covers. This is a little company that started specifically to do uh, cover replacements. You pop the back off of your cell phone or your iPod and you can get a custom look for your phone. And now there's a bunch of, of licensed Stargate stuff out there. They do other, other TV shows and movies and sports teams, but now there are Stargate coveroos for your cell phone and they have lots of, of major cell phones I'm looking right now. If you look at the site, this is my phone, the the titanium BlackBerry Curve uh, with the SGC symbol on it. What else do they have over there? They have uh, several different system lord symbols. They obviously have 
the Stargate. Some pretty esoteric stuff, like the Tolan hand weapon and the transphase eradication rod. I think some Mayan designs as well. They've really got everything that you could possibly want in there. The gate itself and the DHG with all the symbols, and they've got the SG-1 logo on here. Some of the mainstays that I think people are going to like, and then for, for those who like ships, they've got a, a death glider. Cargo ship, things like yeah. that. Weapons. It's all good. Zat guns. There's some cool stuff in here. So, coveroo.com slash Stargate, or head over to GateWorld and look for the link. C-O-V-E-R-O-O. If you missed the world premiere of Michael Shanks' new film, Living Out Loud, from the Hallmark Channel this past weekend, fear not, it is going to be airing twice more. GateWorld talked exclusively with Shanks during his appearance last month at Creations Vancouver event. And a few of his comments are now available on GateWorld. So you can check those out before our interview comes out. And Michael also talked a little bit about Stargate Universe, and we know enough now that he appears apparently in the pilot, but uh, it's more of a cameo role. He doesn't have a a big, long-standing guest appearance in this one. Mm-mm, nah. And that's the way it should be, in my opinion. I mean, this is it's the pilot for a brand new series. It should be about the the new guys. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why I'm that's why I'm t- tuning in. But having Rick and Michael is is icing, in good icing. Yeah, and that's effectively what Michael said is they've got a lot of of new characters to service and to set up. But it'll be really nice to have the familiar faces there as as the touchstone as the team the new team sets off. Just not so boldly going like in Atlantis. Gateworld Features. Our interview with Paul McGillian is now up on Gateworld. Go check it out. Paul talks about Star Trek, about his Season 5 appearances on Atlantis, and what's to come for him in his career. It's a nice long video interview or audio interview or text interview, however you care to listen to it. Paul's always a great guy to talk with, and he's, uh, he's, he's honest, he's informative, he's uh, funny, just uh, all-around good old boy. Also new on the site this week, we did a bit of trailer analysis for Stargate Universe. There have been two quick little 30-second teasers that they've aired, and then Sci-Fi Channel has also aired that brand spot for their new shows coming up in the next year that had lots of quick, very brief little SGU scenes. So we've basically gone and done screenshots, picked all those out, and we're telling you what we know about the pilot so far. There are spoilers in here, but it's a scene-by-scene breakdown of uh, what you see in those trailers. We're desperate to see more. It's coming later this year. I don't know about desperate, but... It will all happen. In the fullness of time, we will see more. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm not Xing out the days on my calendar with a red marker. I'm... Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's coming, and this is a, a period of time that uh, is rare for for Stargate and Stargate Watchers, and I'm I'm kind of relishing in it. I'm enjoying these podcasts and the the flexibility that we have while there is nothing new airing. Oh, it is yeah. in many ways a blessing. I finished school last week, and I am enjoying not only being uh, on vacation and having a little time off, but having a little time to do catch up on GateWorld. This week, I was making my to do list for the summer. There's no way I'm going to get it all done, but, man, this break in between shows is definitely a godsend. Well, let's face it. I mean, when new Stargates are airing, for everyone else, it's fantastic, but for us, it's work. And you do something which I refuse to do. Is The first time seeing it, you're, you've, you've already pulled out a pencil and, and piece of paper and are already writing down notes. I refuse uh, to do that. Yeah, I'm doing that less and less. With the last couple of years of Atlantis, I... I my notes went uh, very much minimalistic, if anything. You've got to, at some point, enjoy the episode for what it is. I mean, yeah, at, at the first viewing, taking it apart immediately, I, it's, it sounds like a job to me. You know, you're right. And I think season five of Atlantis helped in that respect for me because we started podcasting the episodes. 
And so I would make it a, a point deliberately to try and watch the episode twice through before we recorded the podcast. And so the first time, I think, very much was just put my computer down, put my notepad down, just watch the episode and enjoy it for what it is. Don't pick it apart yet. Let it wash over you. Good deal. Yeah. Gate World's assistant editor Chad Colvin had a chance to sit down and talk with Michael Shanks at Creations Vancouver event. And it's a video interview. It's the longest interview with Michael that we've ever had. He looks great. He sounds great. We had a great discussion. I was there filming, very Daco style. Someone broke my tripod, so I was um, doing it very handheld. And I think... Um, it captures your eye. It, it makes you drawn to watch the whole thing as opposed to clicking it and turning it on and walking away and doing dishes or something. So mm-hmm. Chad did a good job. Hey, Stargate um, Universe is shooting that way. Maybe we should start shooting that way. Yeah, dare to dream. My arm practically fell asleep. The last time that I talked to you uh, was just prior to the airing of First Contact and The Lost Tribe here in the States. Oh, okay. And were you happy with those episodes as they were finished? Was there anything that you... Wanted to see in them. The I only saw them on TV, so I only saw them sort of the quick once. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty happy with them. I was, I was very happy with uh, getting to see the pacing and the, and the, the, um, the production value. Of everything was great. It was the, 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 the first part, especially, was quite big in, in terms of mm-hmm. television. And of course, you know the stuff. Obviously, working with David Hewlett was a blast. Right. Yeah. As far as Daniel's involvement or your contribution to the episode, anything that you would have liked to have seen done different? Or no, I mean, um, um, I enjoyed the interplay. You know, it's it, it's one of those episodes that begs for a little more. You know, for another one kind of thing. That's the the, the key the key selling point for me was like, yeah, let's see, let's do that again kind of thing. So I wanted to see a little bit more interaction. You know, if the show continued, but apparently it didn't. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> your relationship with the Asgard. Mm. Always been very strong. Obviously, you play Thor. Right. You know, um, what was it like going in there and bringing them back? Um, it was funny just because they were bad guys this time. So it was, you know, um, just from a from a Michael standpoint, being able to look at the Asgard who you used to find lovable and cute, that all of a sudden you went, "You little bugger!" You know, it was yeah. uh, that, that was that was quite cute. But I mean, it was an interesting storyline. I would like to see more of that. Uh, Fleshed out, what a great, uh, what a great antagonist for for the team, and and um, an interesting and very, quite frankly, um, what's the best way to put it? A very worthy opponent for starters, obviously, um, and just a very palpable, believable twist. You know, you can really believe that this powerful race. You know, we've seen them; these they're almost too good. Our guys in our universe, and all of a sudden, these other guys just sort of go, "Well, yeah, they're." they're they're trying to survive, and they're going to be looking out for themselves first. So it's a bit more, almost more palpable than, than the Asgard we dealt with. Yeah. The main discussion. Our main discussion topic once again for this week is what is Ascension? This is one of the old mainstays for the Stargate franchise going back many, many years. When you are maybe near death, maybe not necessarily near death, you ascend to a higher plane of existence, you shed your mortal coil, and go off to be a white, floaty, glowy thing with Omidasaw. Only if you are lucky enough to have uh, an ascended being in your presence to basically act as your safety net and um, coach you in in a kind of uh, purgatory afterlife and uh, make you decide your fate. Then, if that happens, uh, and you agree to um, shed yourself of all your woes and all of your disappointments with about yourself and just accept that what you did in your life, eh, you did the best that you can do, 
uh, you were a good person, you know, you, you were kind of a good person. Then uh, you go to a happy place where uh, where beings uh, don't care what happens about uh, those beneath. Well, what can you say other than if you immediately know that the candlelight is fire, the meal was cooked a long time ago, so what more can you say? So Ascension on Stargate goes back to, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time we saw this was... Season 3's uh, Maternal Instinct. Maternal Instinct at the end of Season 3. That's right. That's right. When you embrace Oma de Sala, the mind is freed and the body matters not. blah bloody blah So we went in search of Shifu, the Harsesis, child of Share, and we found a Buddhist temple. And Daniel got to sit cross-legged with the monk looking at the candle all episode long. And yep. then we find out that Shifu's new protector, new guardian, is Oma de Sala, who is an ascended being. And we did not know for several more years that, that the ascended beings were the ancients, the original builders of the Stargates. Three seasons and one episode later, we discovered that uh, ascended beings, many of them are ancients. It's not exclusively limited to the ancients, which was clarified in season eight's threads. Yeah, there are other ascended beings. And of course, this is becomes huge in seasons nine and ten. When we get to the Ori, who are the enemies of the ancients, they're... they're the, they share the the same history. They're the same species originally with the the old ancients, the Alterans, but they are they're evil ascended beings. We had a really interesting discussion with Rob Cooper a few years ago. He basically explained to us that ascended beings do not occupy every single atom in space in a parallel dimension. They they exist on a higher plane, but in a localized higher plane. Uh, they occupy yes. certain galaxies. They occupy certain territories and certain spaces. I think that was just before Arc of Truth came out. You think? Yeah. Because we were talking ah, about, that's about right. Adria. Because Adria had ascended. Adria yes. had ascended in, in Season 10's Dominion, the second to the last episode of Stargate SG-1. And so we were wondering, she was in our galaxy, the Milky Way, when she ascended. Wouldn't that cause a problem for her with all the ascended ancients around wouldn't she get busted mm -hmm. no and cooper said they just let her go but yeah the point is there even the, even when you're ascended to a higher plane of existence you are somewhat localized in space the ori who were ascended in their own galaxy for eons didn't know about human beings running around that the ancients mm -hmm. had had seeded in the milky way galaxy or the pegasus galaxy until we came along and and blew the secret in Origin. This is one of the bigger inconsistencies about Stargate and, and the later seasons. In season six, Daniel makes it clear that Ascension does not make you all-seeing and all-knowing. Mm -hmm. you, you do not get the, um, the library of the cosmos downloaded into your brain. And that, I think, is a very important point for this discussion. And yet, uh, in season eight's Reckoning... Replicator, Replicator Carter, specifically goes after a library of knowledge, infinite knowledge, downloaded in Daniel's brain. And she treats it as the knowledge of the universe. So they mm. kind of changed their position on it to suit that story. Maybe Daniel didn't know everything, but at least Replicator figured out that he had been exposed to this knowledge of the one thing that could stop the Replicators, which was the weapon on Dakar. I think it was specifically stated in dialogue, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt for the time being. Because I remember listening to it and going, what? Well, yeah. we already established well one way or the other. other. Yeah, one way or the exactly. other, was there was something in his head that he didn't even know about that, that stuck around after he descended. So now Ascension in general, uh, we know what it is in Stargate. You, you shed your body. It happens very often when you're close to death or when you have died uh, because there's, there seems to be, at least 
In Omidasala's version of Ascension, which I think is different from some of the other Ascensions that we've seen, there is definitely a, a spiritual component. There's a matter of releasing your burdens, uh, which is what Daniel had to go through in Meridian when he died. There are other forms of Ascension later on, like Adria's Ascension, like uh, Calix near Ascension in yeah. Prototype, like Rodney's attempt at Ascension in Tao of Rodney. Um, that don't necessarily need to have that that spiritual component. That that's one of the reasons I found Dao of Rodney so interesting was because he completely stripped out the spiritual component and wanted to find a, a scientific way of of ascending. And then Weir's got this great line, you know, you've got to release your burden. And all he basically does is, for the first time, shuts his mouth and remains quiet and still. And his little battery meter goes to a certain point where he is capable of ascending. And I, I, I think. That episode really removed the mystique of Ascension. In many ways, I was disappointed that they went with that direction because I think a lot mm-hmm. was lost spiritually mm-hmm. when they did that. I always enjoyed the idea that Ascension required a very specific type of person. No one could just do it. Mm-hmm. And when you get to Anubis being able to ascend by tricking Oma, uh, and uh, you get Rodney McKay being able to ascend by thinking happy thoughts, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the same. Yeah, I agree. Ascension is kind of a, I think, a sci-fi staple, and we talked about this in previous podcasts when we were hinting at this discussion coming up, is Stargate's version of Ascension is, is a, an iteration of something that we've seen in science fiction and fantasy for years, this idea of becoming more, of going to a higher plane of existence, of not requiring a physical body. Uh, we could probably rattle off a bunch of examples. The one that comes to mind is Babylon 5, where uh, the first ones are really, really, really old and evolutionary advanced mortal beings uh, that have evolved to the point where they're no longer mortal. So they exist as beings of energy in the same sort of sense. Oh, not corporeal anymore? Right. Do they occupy the same space-time that we do? Yep. Cool. I have no point of reference. (laughs) My point there is that is ascension evolution is a question, and Spinal Breaker says ascension has more or less to do with evolution. I know that there will be religious types out there who say evolution doesn't exist because there's no point to it, no intelligence, just violence. Well, there is a point, and that is to move towards being the perfect being. The premise for ascension was taken from the Buddhists and their belief of reincarnation, and only those who are pure of spirit, mind, and body can manage to escape this wheel of life and be above it, watching Mm -hmm. it forever. Well, before we get into this topic any further, I would like to say that I believe that religion and science are not mutually exclusive. I think that there is something in there where they do overlap, uh, and that's how I'm approaching this conversation. Uh, and I think he does have some really good points. You may disagree with me, Darren, but that's just how I always believed. No, I agree. Damn it, disagree for once, dude. Disagree with me. There is an interesting variety in the listener mail this week that I think you'll see. Some people look at, at Ascension and think of it in terms of evolution, of sort of the natural order of where our species is going, uh, whether you see that as, as you know, strictly a TV thing or, or something that, that we in real life really may be a few million years away from. Uh, and other people look at it in, more in terms of, of religious contexts, like heaven. Is ascension kind of like, you know, dying and going to heaven? Is that what Daniel does in Meridian? Does he die and go to heaven in a sense? Mac Jackson makes this point. He says, I view ascension as a higher plane of existence, yet not the final reward of heaven. It would be closer to purgatory, since you can watch stuff happen but never interfere. It seems like an alternative to dying, whereas death is final and the afterlife is your reward or punishment. Do I think it's possible? Sure. 
since we don't know what happens between here and heaven, anything is possible. So there's this idea that ascension is either heaven or is kind of a step toward heaven. Heaven is a final reward. Ascension is being caught in between, but it's not uh, evolution necessarily. And Mac Jackson is somebody who has studied Catholic theology a bit. Your concept of purgatory is way off. I myself have never encountered a ghost. My mother has. And my mother is one of these people who, if she's lying, I can tell. And the conviction that she has expressed to me about that encounter led me to believe immediately that there is much more going on than we can see with our own eyes. The electromagnetic spectrum is huge. And there's a lot of stuff out there that we can't see. So sci-fi offers several great ways, Ascension being one of them in Stargate, trying to express that. And I think it's open to many different interpretations. Okay, this is the point in the show where I sort of start to lay my cards out on the table here. Stargate, like uh, many great science fiction shows and films before it, I think is very anthropocentric, would be the the big highfalutin word. It's very human-centered. It's very much focused on uh, what we can do and what we can become. Think about Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry's vision of of Star Trek and and the future of humanity and the Federation is that we can rise above. We can put our problems behind us. We can unite together as a people. Uh, We can get rid of poverty and sickness and go out there and and become a better, better species, better people. Gene is a humanist. He believed in the human potential very much um, so. for growth, and it's it's a very a very positive and uplifting one. Now, whether when it's all said and done at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you wink into nothingness. That's not very powerful and very uplifting and and wonderful. But you know, before then, it has its benefits. Well, yeah, and and in a lot of ways, ascension. What we're talking about is sort of an afterlife, even if you don't equate it with a Christian doctrine of heaven. It's still a, a version of well, once my mortal body runs out, uh, whether I'm killed, whether I die of sickness like Daniel does in, in season five, or whether I just, just grow old and die, what lies beyond? Uh, do I continue to exist? Does, does my soul or my, my consciousness in some way continue to exist, or can it? This mortal coil is not all that we are. So I think this, this human-centric version of, of the future, vision of the future, is very much a science fiction staple. It's been with us for a hundred years. This is I think largely what science fiction is about is how can we become better? How can we uh, raise ourselves to escape from our trappings and our frailties and our foibles? And that's largely what Stargate's vision of Ascension is, I think. And as Daniel says in Origin in Season 9, you know, if Ascension is the ultimate end, so be it. But we should all be allowed to get there of our, of our own volition, which is one of the reasons that I found Origin so both compelling and frightening in the context of the show. Mm-hmm. This is also another reason why I liked the earlier version of Ascension that we got when when all we knew about Ascension was Oma de Sala, and she was sort of a, a rogue ancient who had been banished by the others, the quote-unquote others. She was kind of out on her own. She had, had gained some followers. The original Buddhist monk that we saw on Keb, I think, was one of Oma's followers. Uh, and then she gets Shifu. She gets, you know... At the end of season six, she helps Skara and <laughs> all, the all the Abaddonians to ascend. So she's getting basically a pretty good party going here. 
But when it was it was just Oma and that version of Ascension, uh, the the Keb version of Ascension is the only version that we knew. Mother Nature and Buddhist ideals, I liked it a lot better because there was there was a component that was above us and that was other than us, and that's the other that I want to make the distinction about. If you talk about ascension as something that we can attain as human beings by ourselves, I think that's, theologically speaking, it's very different from saying it's something that we can attain if it is given to us as a gift. It is something that is shared with us that we don't have and can't possess on our own. If Oma is not there to guide you unless you have a way to um, to access that knowledge, either by going to Keb and reading the, the inscriptions on the walls and, and like Anubis did and, and becoming uh, that force without Oma and without that, that road, without that Bible or that Quran or that Torah to get you there, you are lost. Mm. Uh, and that things that I think a lot of the Atlantis episodes that dealt with Ascension really, really lost. Again, that, that mystique, the, the varnish was worn off. Um, and, you know, for, for better or worse, that's, that's where uh, Stargate chose to explore it. I mean, you had the ancients early in Atlantis in the second episode tinkering with Ascension mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what it was. And they created a giant blob of grease. So, mm-hmm. so. Did, they, did they make it in Hide and Seek or did they... Did they capture it? I always wondered if that was an actual non-corporeal being that they captured. No, I don't think they captured. I think they created it hmm. in that little device that uh, that was a reuse of the prop from uh, uh, season six's sight unseen from SG One. Um, that was uh, that that was a being that I had the, the impression that they created. Hmm. They were experimenting with dissension. So yeah, it very much became a a science, a subject hmm. of of study of human inquiry. Whereas even even in Anubis's case, he was only able to ascend because he tricked Oma into doing it for him. Xiphias says, I think ascension is a purely science fiction concept. Like most sci-fi concepts, it is based on a real-world scientific concept of evolution. However, it implies a final result to evolution. As a person who sees the universe as a random set of coincidences, I do not see evolution as having a goal. It's a very pragmatic way of looking at the universe. I'm not sure how to take this evolution discussion further without comparing it at least to another show like B5, where it really was the end result of evolution. So it wasn't something that you individually could attain. It was something that a species after a few million years got to. We have one voicemail on this topic. Let's listen to that now. Yes, this is Chad from St. Paul, Minnesota, and I'm calling in response to your questions on Ascension. Uh, Do I believe that we have a version of Ascension here on Earth? Uh, You know, there's many different ones, whether it be Enlightenment or Nirvana or whatever. So... Anything's possible, but what I'd like to get into is the rules of ascension on Stargate itself. Um, what are they, and more importantly, could you discuss that when Daniel comes back, he has lost all of his memories at, from being ascended? And we had seen in previous episodes of other beings that became human after being ascended that they did retain their memories. Uh, just discuss as why he didn't, and uh, anything else you guys would like to discuss? Thank you for everything you guys do, and keep doing what you do. Thanks, Chad, Chad. for calling in. What are the rules of ascension on Stardate? Depends on what point of the series or franchise you are looking at, I suppose. So for SG-1, for the original Oma version of ascending, you had to be pure of heart, you had to release your burdens... What does that mean, though, releasing your burdens? Let's get that out there. I mean, Daniel was so good about beating himself up for his failures. Mm -hmm. And Oma and all of his friends 
on his deathbed were trying to explain to him that he did change things for better. And only when, I mean, he doesn't even have to really figure anything out. All he has to do is make a decision that he is free and that he is going to move forward because he thinks he can do more this way. Now, a year while he's ascended, you know, he figures out that he can't and and he tells the others, you know, what what's going on below is, uh, you may say it's in insignificant to the larger universe but it doesn't matter it's what what's going on what's happening what beings like anubis are doing is wrong and should be stopped he gets there and he discovers that there are rules of being ascended the others have have their own set of of rules they have a prime directive non-interference directive that basically nobody who who uh deserves to be ascended. Correct me if I'm wrong this was one of the reasons why Oma got in trouble with the others was that nobody who could reach the potential of ascension uh, deserves to get there without working for it themselves, without figuring it out themselves? I think that's the idea, yes. The final test of the species is whether or not it can discover ascension and ascend on its own. Mm -hmm. And Oma believed that it was her duty to help others ascend. That, that was her fundamental belief of it. Chad's other question is, why did Daniel lose his memories of when he was ascended after he had descended in Season 7's Fallen? I think the ancients realized that with the knowledge that Daniel had as an ascended being, once he descended, much like Merlin, he could become a very powerful being mm -hmm. and could use that knowledge to influence events and change the fortunes of entire worlds. That was something that they did not want him to be able to do. So Oma, in acknowledging what the ancients wanted, uh, wiped out his memories, but configured his brain in such a way that uh, they were actually blocked and uh, a lot of his uh, memories would come back over mm -hmm. time. Which led to a great episode in Season 7. I loved Orpheus in Season 7. You did love Orpheus. Daniel, through meditation, has has flashes of memory from his time as an ascended being and and remembers that he has seen Braytac and Ryak captured uh, and in this, in this Jaffa uh, work camp. Erebus. Erebus. So yeah, the answer to Chad's question is, is Daniel was actually being punished by the others because he broke their rule and interfered uh, in the season six finale full circle. Uh, he got busted when he went to attack Anubis. And, Tried to um, kick his ass. So the, the others busted him down to private and took away all his spooky powers and his memories. Sam Carter rules says, I think ascension is a step to the final plane, whatever you believe that to be. Maybe ascension is a way for us to study ourselves as a race and gain a better sense of who we are and where we went right and wrong while on Earth. That kind of gets into the, the purgatory concept that Mac Jackson brought up, and this reminds me of Lost, and one of the early theories about what's going on in Lost is that they're they all dead. In, they're in purgatory. They're dead, and they're through the flashbacks, they're basically living out their their lives, they're going through this, this purgation process of coming to terms with their lives and what they've done. Mm. Um, I think that's interesting that if you ascend, you're basically immortal now. Uh, mm -hmm. So you get the opportunity to reflect on your life for a long yeah. time. But what good is ascension if all you're going to do is swim in some kind of heavenly soup? The ascended beings obviously have a hierarchy. There is an order to things. So what are they doing? Are they just patrolling to make sure that other ascended beings don't do what they did? And just letting the Ori run amok in their galaxy, you know? I mean, what, what is the job of an ascended being? Why, why are they what they are? Now, now that they have achieved this level of existence, what are they supposed to do with it? They are, uh, as we say in the evangelical church, they are so heavenly-minded that they are of no earthly good. 
they contemplate the universe and their own existence, and they don't interfere even so much as to solve a problem that they have helped to create, mm-hmm. like Anubis. Well, this is where I love Daniel's Daniel's argument. I mean, yes, there are there are consequences. Look at Orlin. You know, Orlin thought that he could do some good in season five's Ascension, a huge Ascension episode that we haven't even mentioned. Mm-hmm. Ascension, that's the title of the episode. He, that is the title of the episode. He gave the Valonans technology to defend themselves, I think, from the Gould. I believe it was the Gould, yeah. Some interplanetary force. And once they did it, they began to make war with it on their own planet. The ancients, uh, in their great wisdom, stripped the Valonan civilization of everything that they were, wiped them out, and forced Orlin out. He was simply denied the ability to go anywhere else and walk the graveyards of uh, Valona for all eternity because mm-hmm. of what he had done. You know, they, they made an example of him. But I think what was great about the episode Ascension is it showed that the others, the, the, the collective of the others, are capable of having mercy. And recognizing redemption oh at the end when when orlin is redeemed because it also shows that they're capable of genocide i mean holy cow for orlin's mistake they ended the valonan civilization they feared that the valonans would become a galactic threat and looking at beings like anubis and looking at the ori i think they had every intention of preventing it from happening again that's definitely one one bonus point for the ancients in that regard uh, and th- I, I love the fact that uh, they recognized that Orlin had learned from his mistakes and he was invited to join them again. Of course, ultimately, Orlin's story is that he gets left in a mental asylum after he uh, saves uh, Earth from the uh, prior plague, but uh, that's another story. Well, yeah, in The Fourth Horseman, Orlin comes back and he deliberately decides to descend himself again for a second time. And... Uh, but the others don't descend him like they did to Daniel and take away all his memories because Orlin does it on purpose. He wants to take some of the knowledge that he has in order to help SG-1. So he descends in in the form of a child and has his memories. But having that much stuff crammed into your head ultimately drives him fill in the blank. Yeah, I think uh, Daniel and Orlin uh, can definitely both be labeled as cosmic yo-yos. Ramses818 says, I think that Ascension, in the form that Stargate portrays it, is very implausible. Going from human form to complete energy, and not leaving anything behind, is pure sci-fi. However, I think that the concept of one living on in one form or another is very plausible. It is plausible to have one's mind or thoughts converted to a different format. But to be all-powerful? No. This is an interesting point. When you ascend... You don't just shed your corporeal being and, and go on to a higher plane. You get superpowers. Weather control and ability to fly from one planet to the next. A relatively short period of time. Invisibility. Um, the ability to seemingly take on a physical appearance. Even looking at the television and saying, hmm, I like those clothes. And whoop, you got them. When Orlin descended in The Fourth Horseman, why wasn't he nude? Why wasn't he nude? I can't remember the scene where he pops where he pops in. Uh, uh, in Carter's lab. Daniel descended two times. And as far as I can tell, I mean, the, the reason why he loses his clothes is because he was pushed out. And uh, mm-hmm. Orlin, on both times that he, was, uh, that he descended, um, he fell of his own volition. That's yeah. the only reason that I can think of it. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's right. There's very much a sense with Daniel 
both in Fallen and in Threads, that his lack of clothing bears a sense of judgment. So, David, we asked fans to write in last week and tell us, do you think Ascension, as Stargate portrays it, or in some other form, is possible? Is this an end goal of human civilization? Even if it's something that you and I can't do, is this something that, that humanity is is striving toward? What do you believe? While I do not personally believe that we came from a single-celled organism, I do believe that evolution has its merits and that we are capable of becoming greater than what we are. Say nothing about how we started. I'm talking about how we finish. I think we are capable of becoming more. I'm not talking about adaptation and and the the strong uh, winning over the weak. Uh, I'm talking about becoming more than than what we were when we began. And yeah, I think that's possible. I, I have very specific feelings about, about how that can be done and very specific beliefs about how that can be done, but that's not necessarily applicable, applicable mm-hmm. to this discussion. I do believe that a form of ascension is possible. The person that is me that is talking to you right now, I believe, is not just a collection of neurons and, and, and um, electrons floating around in this, in this gray matter up here. I believe it is a, another entity that is outside of this world and, and not a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that, that, that entity of, of David Reed does go elsewhere once he's expired. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what about you? You're more of a follower of the Oma de Sala school of ascension rather than the Rodney McKay school of ascension. There is such a thing as a spirit. There is such a thing as a soul. The, the, the human person is not just the, the cells that, that make up his body and, and whatever that mysterious thing we call consciousness is that's the result of chemicals and, and firings of neurons. I believe in things that cannot be seen mm-hmm. and cannot be heard and cannot be felt. The range of the EM spectrum that we can see is extremely limited, but there's one side of it that that we can quantify and and based on observation and experimentation can uh, see uh, gravity and things like that. And then there's another side of the EM spectrum, everything else where ghosts and God and all that mysterious stuff is that, that we have no access to, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Mm. You know, just because I can't see it with my own eyes doesn't mean that it's not there. You know, when we went into this discussion, what is ascension? I think at the end of the day, I want to make two statements about where I'm at on this issue. One is that ascension or something like it, and it's that that something like it that that takes us a little bit away from from Stargate and, and fantasy and into the world of reality is something like ascension, this this above and beyond the mortal life that we know. I absolutely believe that's possible. I believe that's that's the state of reality. But my question, which I tried to, to raise a little bit earlier, is uh, to what degree is that the result of a human effort, and to what degree is it the result of the grace and intervention of an other, someone who is uh, standing above us and, and over against us, who is not us. Uh, and I believe that I can get there, but it's not because... I have seen the good in my life, and I've done good things, and I've released my burden, uh, which is the Stargate version of Ascension, which is very much rooted in, in the, the, the anthropocentric vision of science fiction, uh, that we can attain this. I believe that it's, it's something that is ultimately given to us. You be a good old boy, and you'll be rewarded. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Thanks to everybody for writing in and contributing. 
Here's this week's listener question. It's open line night next week. We're going to have Tammy Farrar from GateWorld Forum join us for a great big Stargate party. We want to talk about whatever you want us to talk about. Give us a topic, ask us a question, or call in to the voicemail hotline and share your own opinions on all things Stargate or anything else science fiction. Open line night. It's a free-for-all. We take off all our clothes and we partay. Well, some of us take off all of our clothes. So that's what open line night's going to be. David's going to be naked. I'm going to be fully clothed. Tammy, we're not even going to tell Tammy about this. It's our little secret. Oh, hi, Tammy. That's uh, next week, May 12th. And then May 19th, we're talking about spoilers. We're not spoiling anything, but we're talking about the concept of spoilers. Do you love them? Do you hate them? And then May 26th, we're back around to more SG-1 history. We'll talk about season four. This uh, month's worth of uh, podcast programming, I am really looking forward to. Um, I've never felt so alive. So alive. The fields are alive. Anyway, it's really good stuff. And I, I, I hope that uh, everyone's enjoying uh, these as much as uh, we enjoy popping them out, because 40 podcasts already. Jeez, Dad, come. Mm-hmm. Lots of summer left to go if anybody has ideas, not just for open line night, but ideas for a whole big main discussion. We'll add it to our list and make sure we get to talk about it. whole gaggle of main discussions left before Universe airs, and I will relish all the way from A to B. Z. Z. <laughs> All the way from A to B. <laughs> to C to D to E to E. The yeah. alpha and the beta. The beginning and <laughs> the next step after the beginning. Oh, mercy. That's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. In this episode, we talked about Ascension. What it is. What it is. We also gave you a preview of GateWorld's upcoming interview with Michael Shanks. Look for that on GateWorld.net in just a few days. And for links to everything we talked about today, head over to the site and look for the episode number 41, Show Notes. We really appreciate your feedback. Please, sir, may I have some more? So contact us at the hotline at 616-712-1647. Or you can leave us a message in the podcast feedback thread on GateWorld Forum. But please stop making me read your your message. Just call. You have a beautiful voice. Didn't your mother ever tell you you have a beautiful voice? Just call. Let us hear you. And let me download your message on my really pathetic internet connection. Anything else? Let's wrap it up. Insert pithiness. Insert pithiness. Once again, you are speechless. Well, this is David. Uh, That's me. I'm David. And we'll see you back here next week for the Gate World Podcast. (laughs) 